Uh, but we're talking about church, right? We're talking about being being church, doing church, coming to church. Church is thrown around in a lot of different ways. But but what is the church? What what are some things that come to mind when when somebody says church? What is it? Body of Christ, all right. Community. Community. Fellowship. Fellowship. Family. Family. Uh Mission. Mission. Yeah. All all of those things, right? So because it's all of those things, it can be hard sometimes to wrap our minds around the totality of it. Um, but. I, I do like, as, as Phyllis mentioned, that image of the body of Christ. And we have visited that in past weeks. And the beautiful thing about the body of Christ is that, that at any time God has access to his people, he can touch the world through a local congregation. It can be, it can be mission through us. God, God achieving his mission to the world through his people, through a single Christian or a group of Believers, perhaps an entire congregation. Um, I think our our work at Ruth Livingston Elementary is going to be an example of that. Um, other opportunities we have this Saturday, packing in apples and being able to be a part of that that blessing, the money that's coming in to support mission overseas. And and we can at at different levels, we can just kind of participate and be around it. You know, like you can show up to something on Saturday up at Wiley Heights and just be there for the party, right? You can just be there for the party and the and the and the fun and I'm sure there'll be families that show up. There'll be little kids running around doing the activities and whatnot. I have no idea that they, they're a part of God's mission happening right then. But the church, because we're Christ's body, we're the tangible expression of the Omnipresence of God, right? Some of you are familiar with that word. What does omnipresence mean? Present everywhere. Present everywhere. God is everywhere at all times, right? So the psalmist says, you know, even if I went to the far end of the sea, even if I went down into the grave, I couldn't escape your presence. God is everywhere. And, and the church is kind of a tangible expression of that. The church is global. We gather together in worship right now, and we know that millions of other Christians have gathered on this Lord's Day to worship, that we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. Amen? Amen. That feels good. That feels good, doesn't it? Yes. Has anybody here ever felt alone? Yeah. Anybody here ever felt insignificant? Yes. Yeah. To realize that we're a part of something that huge, that global. All right. So, so here's um, this isn't in my notes, but I was just at the hockey game last night, and and you know I'm a season ticket holder. So when you're a season ticket holder, you're always kind of wondering who am I going to be sat by because it's almost like an arranged marriage. Yeah. All right. The, the season ticket holders buy you. And so I see the guys, I'm like, all right, they look kind of cool. And then the, the dreaded question, right, comes from the guy sitting next to me, Brent. He says, he says, so what do you do for a living? <laughs> now, when you're a pastor, that, that has some added weight to it because people, a lot of people have had not great experiences with church or with Christians. And, uh, and I kind of got a vibe that he was going to be cool with it. So I said, well, I'm a, I'm a part-time pastor. I serve a church in in eastern Washington and 
And I also worked for a children's mental health organization. And, uh, and it turns out that he was a Christian too. And we kind of hit it off. And, and in fact, for a little, for a little while, he attended the same high school that I attended after he was younger, but, um, but we even went to the same high school and, and he's like, I, I, South, I was like, well, I'm from, originally from Puyallup. And he's like, it's like, I spent some time in Puyallup. And he's like, well, not really Puyallup, South Hill. And I was like, yes, South Hill, Puyallup. <laughs> Where in South Hill? He's like, off of 128th. I was like, I lived off of 128th. So like God knows what God is doing. And then there, to just have those little glimpses that the body of Christ is so much bigger I mean, God didn't have to sit me by a fellow Christian in the body of Christ for a hockey game, but but he did. So praise God. And that's that's an expression to me of God's omnipresence through the church. That the church is, is out there. And, and we just have to have eyes to see. Um the other the other thing that's that's awesome that got mentioned by Kennedy is the church is an expression of, of the mission of God to redeem the lost. Jesus said, on this rock, my church, the confession of Peter, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Not that we'll be able to fight off every attack of the enemy, but, but that the church is to be on the offensive, going after those that are lost. Leaving the 99, looking for the one. And so I'm excited about the expressions of the church being in mission with God. Put another way, every congregation, this congregation, you know, some of us here have been a part of congregations much larger. I've, I've preached and interacted with churches much smaller. You, you might think that that's, that's hard to visualize, but in Montana, there's lots of little churches out there that, you know, sometimes on worship, it's four or five people. And that's an expression of church. That's no less church than the mega church of thousands of people. You know, God is, is using these congregations as sort of outposts of the heavenly kingdom. Advancing into enemy territory, claiming territory for King Jesus by winning hearts and minds and souls to the gospel. God can touch the world through you and me. Amen? Amen. God can touch the world through you and me, and He can touch the Tri Cities, our whole region, through through Desert Springs Covenant Church. Right? We were sitting down, Bradley and I were sitting down with Shelly, uh, what, about 10 days ago now, something like that. We were talking about starting this club up in the school and uh and i said well are we are we going to have enough volunteers you know what if the if the group grows big she's like well you know school groups we used to have school groups of 40 50 60 kids she's like you'll be you'll be lucky to have 12. i said well you know jesus did a lot with 12. (laughs) and she said i like that i like that i said i'll take 12. (laughs) i'd be happy for 12. you know who it makes a difference to that 12, right? You know, if we if we if we choose not to do something because it's just gonna be 12, or it's just gonna be three, what does that say to the three? You know, what is what does that say to our God who says, I'm calling you to those three? Nobody else is gonna reach those three but you. And God wins people through people. 
God wins people through people. How many of you are a Christian because, because you saw a billboard? Silence. How many of you are how many of you are a Christian because you heard a really cool Christian song on the radio? Right? You're a Christian because of someone else, of an individual, of a person that that in word or deed expressed to you who Jesus was and it was attractive to you. So all we need to do, this is what the message of experiencing God has been. We need to adjust our lives to God's activity. Right where we're at. God is moving. God is doing something. And so if we adjust our lives, we make ourselves available, follow in obedience where the Spirit leads us, God could do some awesome things. This is exactly what Philip did in Acts 8, 26 through 39. So if you, you want to um, look at the passage in, in your own Bibles, you're welcome to do that. It's also printed there for you in, in the bulletin. Acts 8, 26 through 39. This is the story of Philip and the Ethiopian. Um, before we take a look at that, would you, would you pray with me? God, we thank you that, that your word is living and active. And this isn't, we're not going to read a story or a testimony of something that happened 2,000 years ago and, and read it like it's ancient history. We know that it speaks to us right here, right now through your Holy Spirit. Bring it home to our hearts. Help us to see what you would, you would have us do in response to the truths that we're going to read here. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian, a eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candidate, which, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on, was on his way home and sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near. Then Philip ran up to the chariot. Ran up. Didn't walk. Didn't mosey. Didn't take it to the leadership team. Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Um, you, do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. Well, how can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This was the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before it cheers the silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him about or told him the good news about Jesus. 
somewhere in that good news about Jesus, it must have mentioned baptism, because what do we see next? As they travel along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is some water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Wow. Amazing story, right? I, now, I've never baptized somebody and then been whisked up, you know, beat me up, Scotty. That'd be awesome. It's not happened to me. It's an amazing story. There's there probably aspects of it that that aren't going to have a one-to-one -one correlation to us. But I, I think if we hit the major points of Philip's encounter, of experiencing God, we can see how it applies to us. First of all, we see that an angel of the Lord guided Philip. Guided Philip. Remember, remember that despite whatever our experience has been or has not been of the supernatural, that, that we are God's messengers angels and God's angels are, are said to be around us at all times every day they are a means by which God gets his message across to his people I'm guessing maybe somebody here knows what the Greek word angelos from which we get angel means you know what, do you, does anybody know what it means angelos messenger messenger, messenger exactly has anybody here ever carried a message? Hmm. Has anybody here ever sent a text? Has anybody here ever made a phone call? You are sending a message. You are an angelos. So we can see from the context that Philip's relationship with God was, was on track. He was available to God in any way to serve, in, in service as well as in mission. But what, what of God's grand plan? Did, did Philip know at the start of the story? Not much, right? Not much. All Philip knew was that he was to travel the desert road, the south road, from Jerusalem to Gaza. He had no other information or leading at the time that he received that instruction, except that he was to, to get on the road and start going. So an angel, an angel sets him out, kind of gives him the shove, but then, who speaks later? Does God send another angel? Does God send another angel? This is not a rhetorical question. No. What, who speaks later to him? The Spirit. No. The Spirit. How many of you have access to the Spirit? We all do. We all do, right? We all do. Yes. We, when we believe in Jesus Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. So we, we have that messenger in us. That's, that's pretty close at hand. So the Spirit speaks. Philip sees a God-fearing man who's been to Jerusalem to worship. Philip observed that the man was reading from the book of Isaiah. He was seeking after God. Did Philip say, after observing this one, well, that's wonderful. I can see that God is working in this situation you know, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the brothers and sisters. I'm gonna tell them about it. We're gonna we're gonna pray. We're gonna pray for this man. 
Or I'll pray for him tonight, you know, before I go to bed, if I can remember. Is that what he did? No. 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 Philip knew that, that only God could be drawing a person to himself like that. So, so let me tell you, church, if you see someone asking, thinking, reading, studying, or otherwise pursuing God, God is drawing that person to himself. That's the only explanation. Jesus himself said, no one. Say no one. No one. No one. No one can come to me unless the Father draws it. So if somebody is asking spiritual questions or, is, or you know, see, see something on TV or whatever, and it's like, you know, I, I, I got a question about God. You're, you're a churchy guy, you know, or you're a churchy guy. Tell me, tell me about this. If they are asking that question, if that's been rattling around in their brain, it's because God is doing something. So if you find yourself in this situation, do you need to stop and, and discern if God is moving in their life? No. That's evidence that God is moving in their life. That should be the, that should be the big green, you know, go sign. So next, the Spirit, then to, he tells Philip to get near the chariot. chariot. He, he then asks some probing questions. He listened well. And from that point, the Lord used Philip to explain the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Ethiopian then responded by believing the gospel, being saved, and, and asking to be baptized. You see, God had a plan. God had a plan. The plan was revealed to a servant that he could entrust. Philip. The servant responded, shared the good news of Christ, which then saw the, the Ethiopian get saved. Who saved the Ethiopian? Did Philip do it? No, no. God did. Philip was just there and was obedient. God can use every single one of us in the same exact way. So what's the application? How, how do we become light to a dark world? How, how do we see God use us to reach others to expand his kingdom, thereby growing the church? Well, first, God speaks to us by the Holy Spirit. Like I said, he sends his message to us. He reveals he reveals to us himself his purposes and his ways. And second, our function is to accomplish God's purposes in kingdom ways, not human ways. If God is moving, we move. If God is moving, we move. Sometimes we hesitate to act because we're afraid we're going to mess things up. Has anybody here ever not done something because you're afraid you're going to mess it up? Right? I've got strong perfectionistic tendencies, so if I feel like I might not do it, not even not do it well, not do it like perfect or awesome, then I have a tendency to shrink back a little bit. You're like, ah, I don't know, maybe I need a little more preparation. But let me tell you, God is always going to be more impressed by your imperfect obedience than your perfect disobedience. God is always going to be more impressed by your imperfect obedience than your perfect disobedience. I've nailed perfect disobedience. I can write a really good summary report. I can research stuff up and down and sideways and tell you, you know, this is how we should do something for God. And in the and the whole and the whole time it can be a smokescreen for disobedience. God has asked me to do something and I am stalling. 
but I'm sure I'm the only one here. Ever had that problem? <laughs> if your perfected method, for instance, for winning souls or growing the church or building a program gets in the way of simply hearing God and obeying, your way is just a fancy concocted exercise in disobedience. Stop trying to make God's instructions make sense all the time. Sometimes they will, but often they won't. When wondering about this, we should recall, you know, the eunuch was looking at the, the scroll from Isaiah, right? So let's take a look at a passage from Isaiah, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. God tells us, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So that tells me right there, God is going to ask us to do stuff that, is it going to make sense to us? Always? No. No, it's not always going to make sense. And, and, and we're not always going to have steps one, two, three, four, and five. We might get one. Or 1B, if we're lucky. Go do this. And like Philip, we gotta say, all right, I don't know why I'm I don't know why I'm walking the desert road. You know, even in that story, it occurs to me right now, if I'm if I'm getting ready to take a journey, like I went I went overnight and stayed with my, my sister and brother-in-law. What do you suppose I did to get ready? Packed. I packed a bag. I packed an overnight bag. We don't have any indication that Philip even packed it on the night back. He said, go walk the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. Gaza's a big area. And he just, he just went. He packed a bag. Which is, you know, maybe that's why God, you know, beamed him up out of there. He's like, hey, he doesn't, doesn't even have a change of clothes. I'll take care of that. We'll beam him back home. I don't know. We don't know where he will be. So, if this is the case, if, if God's ways are not our ways, if his, his way of thinking is not always going to be our way of thinking, it's not always going to make sense, then we need to have our lives right with God in order to hear him. And then when we hear him, to follow the Lord's leading like Philip did. Alright. Like I said, we're wrapping up more than three months of the study of experiencing God. You've learned quite a bit, so it's quiz time. Okay. All right. All right. Blood pressure just shot up for, <laughs> for a lot of people, especially the students here. All right. It's quiz time, and you've learned a lot, so I won't prove that to you. So here's, I'm just going to ask you two questions. First one's multiple choice. Who likes multiple choice or prefers multiple choice? All right. You know that you're going to hear the right answer. You just got to pick the right one. All right. Multiple choice. Once God invites you to join him in his work, how will you be able to accomplish his purposes? How will you be able to accomplish his purposes? Here's your choices. A, any way I choose. B, following human reason, human principles, and human tradition. C, using my best thinking and working in my own way. Or D, following God's way. D. See, look at how smart you are, right? Okay. See how much you've learned? Great job. Now, no more multiple choice. Here's a short, here's a short answer question. It's, it's kind of like a you know essay question here. So 
So if you're like me, I was good with words, so I got an essay question. I just I started writing and I kept writing until I maybe stumbled across the answer. So, so if you have to take that tactic here, it's okay. How do we know? How do we know God's way? How do we know God's way? Read the Bible? How do we know God's way in a situation? Pray? Pass. <coughs> pass? No. Ask. Oh, ask. Oh, that said pass. No, sorry, I can't pass on this question. I'll take the next question, right? Get any? Listen. Listen. Yeah. So pray and then listen. Yeah, I've got a lot of those things jotted down here myself. My prayer, reflection, being obedient. Right? We've had the had the principle of God trust you with a little bit, you know, do that a little bit well, and we'll trust you with a little bit more. Now, the Lord has arranged for us to spend some time together and to sermon up about some major issues before our church fellowship in terms of mission and direction. November 6th, we'll gather with a, a good friend of mine, a brother in Christ and fellow pastor, Dwight Cover, who will lead us in a time of discernment. And I'd like you to pray and prepare yourselves to be there for that special time. And do your homework. <laughs> do your homework, right? If we hear from God through his word and through prayer and through reflection and listening, as Kennedy said, that's, that's an important part. Now, there's a second thing that God has prepared for us in advance to do as we reach out into the community that I'd encourage everyone to involve themselves in, and that's, that's committing yourselves to, to pray for unsaved friends, family members, neighbors, people who you associate with, uh, Almost every day, perhaps. Uh, a little while back, we passed out the, the blessed cards. I didn't get those out again because I got the um, got the insert here. And I just want to start with this. The first B in blesses begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. And will you will you take a look? Will you pull that insert out? I don't want this to go in the recycling. I don't want this to go in the trash bin. I'd like you, I'd like you to hold on to this for, for the next month or two. Right? Did you not get me those? All right. Uh, I think it was, it was set for the whole time. All right. So, just write a short list of People whom you long to see commit to faith in Christ. Place the list inside your Bible, on the dashboard, the notes, and your cell phone, whatever's going to work for you. Um, some people set a little little reminder, you know, a little alarm on their phone at a certain time every day. Just kind of pray for those two or three people that God's placed on your heart. And commit to start each day with prayer, asking God to use you to bless someone in your world that, that doesn't know him. Or maybe knows him, but has kind of fallen, fallen out of relationship with God. And if you're not sure what to pray, here's some, here's some things to pray. And these are all, the reason that they're great things to pray is where did I get these ideas? Or where did they get these ideas? From the Bible, right? So if you don't know what to pray, it's always a good idea to pray for something in the Bible. Because we know that the Bible is God's revealed will. 
right? So pray that blank, all right, that individual, pray that Chris, use me as a, pray that Chris would become thirsty for God. That's from John 7. And you got the other examples here, right? Now you may be saying, I don't know if I know any people that aren't already in relationship with Jesus. Then pick a couple teachers at random. Even if they know Jesus, even if they love Jesus, the Spirit will use you and your prayers to encourage that individual. And our teachers need encouragement. All right. So to summarize, we're, we're, we're going to finish here. And, uh, we're just we're going to go straight into taking communion rather than singing the song. Um, Desert Springs Church, if if we truly desire to be more than the little church that's currently meeting in the Vine Church, I mean that's kind of what we are right now. You could describe us that way. If we desire to be more than that, if instead we want to be kingdom people, we need to we need to ensure three things. And this is kind of this is kind of encapsulating the last couple messages that I've shared. We talked about being salt of the earth, right? This was about a month ago. We talked about being salt of the earth. Being salt of the earth, people, is is a good descriptor. You know that we we want to have a a life that's right with God, that we're, that, that, that not only are we saying taste and see that the Lord is good, that other people could see our experience with God and say, I want that. That's, that's what it means to be soft. Ensuring that we're available to serve. We talked about the, the parable of the, the bags of gold, right? Our money, how, how are we invested? What's our time, talent, and treasure invested in? And then, last message and this message together sort of tied together in terms of how are we engaged in mission? How are we, how are we listening to God and then stepping out to participate in God's mission to the world? Being, being the light. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for examples like Philip that, uh, you know, he didn't have a whole picture. You know, he set out on the road. He just trusted you. We don't know exactly what you have for us as individuals or collectively as, as your body. It's Desert Springs Covenant as, as the Big C Church, our, our role in in what believers are doing here in the Tri-Cities. We thank you, Lord, that we don't have to have it figured out. It doesn't have to make sense to us. We pray that you would give us the humility to, to listen and to hear and to obey. Whatever you're speaking to those that are gathered here today or even those that might listen to this after the fact, Give them the grace to respond with a yes. Give us the grace to respond with a yes to whatever you're calling us to. We're going to close out our, our service, Lord, by remembering that meal that you 
shared with your disciples. Something that surely did not make sense to them in the moment. And you held up that bread, gave thanks for it, and broke it, and said, this is my body. I'm sure that there was more than one disciple who said, no, that's bread. Then you took the cup and you poured new wine in it and you said, this is the cup of the new covenant sealed for you and for all people, the shedding of my blood. This is my blood. They said, no, that's wine. And then with your death and resurrection, their eyes were opened. They saw that you were meeting them, that something really special was happening <coughs> that doesn't have to make sense to us. Even as we take communion to close out this service, it doesn't, it doesn't have to make sense to us that you said that you're in this in a special way. We don't have to explain it as a miracle or a mystery or as a magic trick. All of that is nonsense. Well, we do it in obedience. You asked us to take the bread and the cup and remember you. So Lord, in this, in this act of obedience, as we share this meal with your spirit, would you meet us here? Meet whatever our need is. We prayed a lot of prayers for, for healing and restoration, for things coming up this week. God, we trust that you're in all those things. Not only are you in all those things, but you're already at the point of the answer to our prayers, waiting for us to catch up in time. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.